Welcome to Sustainable Business Friday. I'm your host, Katie Elman. Sustainable Business Fridays is the first podcast of its kind, bringing together students in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, not-for-profits, social entrepreneurship, and more. Twice monthly, these conversations go live via iTunes and Google Play. This week, I'm joined by Bard MBA alums, Alex Fitzgerald and Sam Levine. And we're speaking with Rebecca Hamilton, Vice President of Research and Development and Quality Assurance at the WS Badger Company. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Alex. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm going to turn things over to my colleague, Sam, for the first half of the interview. If you could just tell us a little bit about uh, about Badger, about how it started and, and, and how you came to it. I'm one of the family owners of Badger, and so this is uh, definitely a family-owned, operated, friendly company. Started by my father back in 1995, and at the time, he was a carpenter, and he uh, kind of a classic entrepreneur story where he had cracked cans in the winter and wanted to create a product to heal the cracked cans. And being a serial entrepreneur, he turned that into a company at the time, I think, the other companies he was thinking about was uh, Ping Pong Emporium and Kettle Corn. And, and basically, he's the kind of person where every idea turns into a business, and this one kind of stuck. And when it was first started, we didn't have this vision of it being kind of a, a mission-driven, sustainable company. Instead, it was just a bomb company. But as a family, we had really strong values toward organic agriculture, uh, local sustainability. And so those values were just brought into the company because our family was in the company every day. And so my father started it, and then my sister and I uh, began working there, my mother also. And so eventually we all were brought into the company, and our values were infused into all the different things that we did as a, a business. And so over the years, we evolved into a really well-formed, mission-driven company to the point that today, if someone asked me uh, who we are as a business, the first thing I would say is that we're a family-based, mission-oriented company. And then the second thing I would say is that we make uh, natural and organic cosmetic products and sunscreens and uh, therapeutic balms and things like that. So you, you, you put sort of the product second and and the fact that you're a mission-driven uh, company first. Um, at what point in, in, in the company's history did that kind of switch or was that kind of codified? Well, I think when the company was really small, uh, it's easy to just have the mission live in a couple of the owners and to kind of infuse that in everyday life at the business. There is a transition point, which is, we had about, I think, 20 employees, and we were just starting to grow large enough where, uh, well, you knew everyone pretty well. I mean, 20 employees is not that many people. We were starting to look at what the future would be when we grew and what would happen if we reached 50 employees and what would happen if we reached 100 employees. And uh, how would we keep that close personal feel and the values that were so rich in the company when we were small? And at this time, we were also in the process of breaking ground and building a new building. And this is going to be kind of the new home for Badger, uh, a building that would be built to lead standards, that would be uh, focused on creating 
uh, healthy land around us. And so uh, we had that point where we wanted to actually write a mission and we wanted to figure out a way to build our values into the DNA of the company. And so that was the time that we actually explored becoming a certified B Corp. Uh, are you familiar what a B, with what a B Corp is? Uh, yes. Yeah, we're, we've uh, we've spent a lot of time in our classes uh, discussing B Corps and actually going through um, uh, going through the process with uh, with some potential B Corps going through their their uh, their assessment. Well, um, so in case any of the listeners are not yeah. familiar, I'll just give a brief overview of that. So a B Corp uh, is basically a certification, kind of like organic is for milk or fair trade for coffee, except for it's for the whole company. And so it's a third party certification and you do a whole uh, impact assessment and you have to reach a certain level on the impact assessment where they're looking at a really wide range of things from governance to environment to workers, et cetera. And if you're able to reach a threshold, uh, then in addition to that, we would have to sign a declaration of interdependence saying that we're connected to other mission-driven businesses and, if possible, also actually become a benefit corporation, which is the legal standing to change our incorporation from a C-corp uh, to a benefit corp, which would allow us to uh, write our mission into the Articles of Incorporation, which would protect us as we grew as a company and keep our mission in the company. Uh, whatever path we chose as a company. So at that time when we were building the new building, we decided to become a certified B Corp. And because there was no option to become a legal benefit corp in the state of New Hampshire, I worked with legislators to get benefit corp legislation passed so that we could then become a legal benefit corp as well. Oh, wow. So, you know, it, even even uh, with the... Uh, sort of outlined that that B Corp that B Lab gives you um, to to become a B Corp. Uh, a lot of the policies and programs that you have at Badger, like the babies at work or your commitment um, uh, to paying living wage and health days, some of these things they, they really go beyond what a what a B Corp would require. Um, so what what drove the decisions to go to go above and beyond that standard? I think that as a company um it's more of a lens that we make decisions through versus uh, kind of a specific end goal of where we're going. So um, we have this idea of just kindness in business and um, thinking about uh, the purpose for being in business it, for us is not to maximize profits and return earnings to shareholders. The purpose for being in business is to have a positive impact on our community, on our employees, and just on the world around us. And so when we make decisions, we make decisions out of this idea of, you know, what do we think the right thing is to do? And so our policies really came from employees coming up to us and asking if uh, we could do something. And because we wanted to have it be a fair thing for the rest of the company, we would turn their request into a policy if we could, if it was possible. So, you know, this started with a mother asking if she could bring her baby to work. And so we decided to create a whole program that would allow mothers and fathers, we've actually had a father bring his baby to work as well, to after their extended maternity and paternity leave, 
to come back and bring their baby to work for up to six months or until they start crawling. Wow. We don't allow crawling babies around. <laughs> and we That's created wonderful. a program to support the parents so that they could yeah. uh, continue to grow the bond with their child uh, and then um, also be able to kind of slowly transition back to work. So that was kind of came from a, a parent asking it and then us really creating a policy around that. And then for the daycare center that we have here, that came from my mother who was an early childhood teacher for many, many years. And she felt like there was a real need in the community for good early childhood education, particularly uh, from the six months to three years of age. And so again, kind of looking at what our impact can be as a company, we wanted to create a childcare center that would first and foremost be for our employees, but also open up to the larger community when possible. Um, there are other things like, for instance, we have organic lunches every day for our employees. And we have gardens on site that we do a farm to table lunch program during the summer months. And that really came out of this idea of one that as we grew as a company, we wanted to have a point that people connected on that people from different departments didn't become siloed as we grew. And also that because we value organic as a company, we felt like we had to do that throughout the company, not just in our products. So when we thought about the lunches that we create, if we make organic products that we sell out in the world, then we felt like we needed to have organic lunches that we give to our employees every day here. That's uh, that's interesting. So what, if, if any, uh, impact do you see that these programs and these policies have on your business itself? Well, I've recently been uh, attending working groups in the community where uh, a lot of businesses and different organizations are talking about a crisis in New Hampshire where businesses are unable to find qualified workers. Um, <laughs> and that's never been a problem for us. We always, always have an amazing uh, group of people who apply for any position that we have. We have often overqualified people working in our company. And so while we didn't do these, create these policies uh, for that specific outcome, that's kind of the end result of creating a company where our focus is on generally making decisions from a good place. You know, in addition to you know the benefits that it's brought you, has sticking to these policies and sticking to these programs has that has it presented any any challenges to this point? Well, I think that the more programs you take on, the more work it is to administrate it. And um, but I mean, there's just it's, there's a value system in terms of how you run your business. And so, you know, for us, the cost of doing business is the cost of, of having these programs. It's just something that we recognize as a necessary part of how we want to do our business. And we also, we want to be able to lead by example and, and demonstrate that other businesses can do this too. Um, sometimes people ask us how we can put money towards some of these programs. And, you know, it's interesting. Like I, we, all businesses pay for, most businesses pay for health insurance. That's mm. incredibly expensive. And that's just a benefit that they've accepted is, standard. And so I don't see why we can't push for some of these other benefits becoming standard in the future. And I think that there's this idea that uh, the capitalist business um, has always been a certain way and always will be a certain way. But 
nothing stays the same. And so I think that business itself is evolving right now and that we're seeing kind of this uh, slow movement toward businesses that are um, thinking more about how they treat their employees. And it's not just about a paycheck. It's about a holistic uh, set of business practices, including a lot of benefits that are supportive of a healthy family life for the employee and for their family outside of work as well. So as as uh, students at the Bard MBA program, we're you know we're very much on board with that with that way of thinking, and that and that's that's really um, has a basis in a lot of what, what's what's taught in our program. But what would you tell to other companies who perhaps a little more stubborn and, and thinking of of business and even capitalism, um, you know, not in the same way that you are, and not not um, not as forward thinking. Uh, if they're a bit more stubborn, what would you what would you say to a company like that to to convince them of its value? Well, I think they're going to start seeing that it's harder and harder to hire and retain good employees if they don't make a shift in their business practices. And you know, like I said, just from going to these workshops over the past few months, where I've seen and heard from other businesses that are really struggling, I think that's becoming. Uh, really more of more of an issue for businesses and the ones that are really successful like the cost of finding really talented employees and then also retaining them shouldn't be undervalued i mean we personally do it because we think it's just how we want to run our business but i i think that for businesses that are are really looking at what the value they'll get out of it that's something that shouldn't be underestimated especially with millennials we're going to demand a lot more from their workplace and right. aren't just looking for a larger paycheck. I know you can't uh, see us right now, but I'm, I'm nodding my head in agreement and, and appreciation. Um, <laughs> so uh, thinking about personally on your role at Badger and, and, and your time there, um, do you have any sort of moments or, or, or highlights that you can remember uh, that you feel have had the most impact um, uh, on you personally as a as business person or, or on the business or, or on the on the narrative um, that you're telling about, uh, you know, how, how you treat employees? Well, I think for me, it's just on a purely personal level, was uh, convincing the rest of the company to become a B Corp. And oh, okay. then also convincing the state to pass benefit corp legislation. Those are two um, huge highlights for me. Uh, on the B Corp front, when we first decided to become a B Corp, uh, there was a lot of resistance, and that was partly because of this thought of, you know, well, we're already doing great things as a company. And we were doing great things as a company, but they were more aspirational and less concrete. And uh, what I've found since becoming a, a B Corp as a company is that we were able to really make these visionary aspirational goals tangible and build them into kind of the DNA of the company, but then also to join this larger community of businesses that were like-minded and, and to start collaborating with other businesses. And, and one of the things that I found really exciting about uh, B Corps is it's not just individual B Corps getting certifications to differentiate themselves from other businesses. It's a group of businesses working together to create a new sector of the economy where businesses are a force for good, not just uh, profit machines. And I think that's 
huge. I think that's a, a really significant thing in our world right now. There's this little tiny movement of businesses working towards that. And I think that for kind of where we're going as a society, businesses are kind of the most powerful drivers right now. And if businesses don't make a shift, then, you know, that's that's really going to be harmful to everybody. And so I think we as businesses need to take a lead on on being more uh, conscientious in our actions. So you talked a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, uh, creating a policy in order to create benefit corporations in um, in uh, New Hampshire. Is that right? Um, yeah. So we passed legislation. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about that process and, and where you fell in and, and how that all happened? Yeah. Well, so when we first became a certified B Corp, as I said, that uh, we in the state of New Hampshire, we weren't legally allowed to uh, write our mission into our articles of incorporation, which meant that our legal purpose for being a business was still to maximize profits and return earnings to shareholders, uh, which was not what we wanted to have as a purpose for being a business, even though we had no intention of selling the business. Um, it still felt like it wasn't authentically our purpose for being a business. And so uh, what I did was to reach out to our local senator and ask if they would be willing to sponsor a bill to get benefit corp legislation passed in the state of New Hampshire, which would basically be a, so right now we have C corps and S corps and LLCs, so it would add a, a separate corporate structure, which is essentially the same as the C corp structure with the uh, addition of allowing a business to be able to rewrite their articles of incorporation to include a mission. And then we just uh, gathered a group of businesses together and um, worked on convincing the different committees and, and essentially just got the legislation passed. Going back to your, your stakeholders, if I can, just for a second, um, do you have a feedback system with not just your employees, but with, you know, the larger stakeholders, be it you know, in the community or any any actual, you know, shareholders? Is there sort of a system in place for that? Well, the shareholders are just my family, and we all, okay. um, with the exception of one sister, we all work here. So <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty close system there. And uh, then in terms of our customers, um, we do different things to reach out to our customers, whether it's through social media or surveys or things like that. And then uh, for our suppliers, starting last year, it was last year, we hosted a supplier appreciation day where we invited all of our core suppliers to Badger and did a two-day long workshop where we learned more about their businesses, had them learn more about our businesses and kind of a, a celebration of working together and part of that came from this idea that uh, we, while we're not always able to source locally in our state because we use global ingredients, uh, we do try and be as close to our uh, sources as possible. And so building close personal relationships allows us to have, um, make choices that make more sense and are more mission aligned. What do you look for when you decide who your suppliers are going to be? So we actually, over the past year, have been really working on creating a good uh, vetting process because in the past it's been kind of 
um, less less organized, more based on what feels like the right set of uh, goals. And so uh, it's kind of a combination of what we consider close to the source, which uh, is a combination of, as I said earlier, being connected or, or having a personal relationship with our supplier, having as few um, middlemen as possible, so going directly to our supplier whenever possible, and then geographically having it be closer when that's an option. Uh, so, and, and what that does, and then also having a long-term relationship, what that does is it um, both gives us more knowledge about the farming practices or the manufacturing practices. Uh, it also uh, allows us to build a relationship where we're more supportive of the farmer or manufacturer, and they're also able to work with us if there are different issues that come up with supply. Uh, then in terms of farming practices on the ingredient side, mm -hmm. our baseline is typically that it has to be USDA certified organic. We have some small exceptions for functional ingredients that we're unable to get organic, but generally we're looking for USDA organic ingredients. And then uh, depending on the ingredient and where it's sourced from, we look at other certifications like fair trade, which mm -hmm. is particularly important for certain ingredients like cocoa butter or coconut right. oil. Yeah, so I, I think though that having having that relationship allows us to be flexible depending on what comes up. And so we've had times where we've said, you know, we're we're financially in a really tight place. Can we get lower prices for a little bit? And we've been able to get lower prices. And on the flip side, we've had uh, supplier partners who've asked us to if they can raise their prices based on what's going on. So having that good close relationship is the number one thing that we can do to ensure that we're still um, getting what we, we think we are in terms of the ingredient and that the practices are, are remaining the same. And just, you know, having having the suppliers day, inviting them out here uh, gives us an opportunity to, to learn more about what's going on with them and with their uh, manufacturing facility or their farm. Um, all of our packaging suppliers pretty much are in the U.S., and so we're also able to go visit their facilities, and we try and do in-person visits when possible. And we do have a vendor uh, manual that has all of our different requirements that we have our suppliers sign when we start working with them. Um, from just a completely more technical side, we have a quality control laboratory on site. And so we do uh, fingerprint ID testing, which is essentially um, a testing to make sure the ingredients that we get in are the ingredients that they say on the label along with other um, quality control testing. What is your personal opinion on the effectiveness of sustainable and natural products compared to conventional petroleum-based products? I think that the problem that most people get into when they ask this question is trying to compare them one-to-one -one and say, well, if I have this conventional synthetic lotion, I'm going to match that with a natural organic product, and are they going to function in the same way? Probably not exactly in the same way, although we are having more advances that allow us to create products that match pretty well. But I don't think that's actually the right approach when making cosmetics. And so when we're making products, we make the best possible product in the category that we're making. And I think you'd have kind of the opposite thing, which is that you couldn't make a synthetic product that matched what we're making. 
but we're making it to a different standard or a different criteria. So for example, um, if you were to buy a moisturizing face lotion that is kind of a conventional base, that would function in a certain way. We make a very lightweight, small molecule moisturizing face oil, which is just incredible. And you can't make that synthetically. And uh, everyone at Badger and everyone who has tried this has now switched away from using face lotions and will only use this kind of a face oil. Um, and your skin just feels completely different after it. It's just completely revolutionized how I, I thought of face moisturizers. And so I think you can do this in a number of different categories with skincare products where you look at what can we in a natural organic realm make exceptionally well and let's focus on that. It does take a shift in terms of how you approach skincare, but the conventional skincare has only been around for a very short amount of time. You know, people had many hundreds and hundreds or thousands of years where they used more natural alternatives. And, and I think that we got distracted by all the possibilities with synthetic conventional options. And some of them are still really good and significant and important, but there's no reason not to kind of reevaluate and bring back things that are maybe simpler and more effective. I agree. To wrap up, what do you see as the future of BadgerCo? Yeah, well, it's a tough question because um, every year we talk about doing kind of a five-year vision and plan, and we start working on that five-year vision plan, and then the next month something major happens in the company and we shift course. And so we've, in recent years, just given up on a long-term vision and said, you know what? Our long-term vision is that we take everything that comes to us and we continue to maintain a company that has a positive impact in the world around us, that treats our employees really well, that's an amazing company to work for, that continues to improve our social and environmental impact, that is constantly evolving in a positive and healthy direction and becoming better and better as a company and continues to have greater positive impact. So that's really our only vision. We don't have a vision for how large we're going to become. We don't have a vision for the types of products that we're going to create other than the ones that we're already working on. Uh, we just want to be flexible with whatever comes our way and continue to improve in, in all of our practices. I really like that. Having the flexibility really keeps the company agile. Where do you see the future of natural beauty products going? The future is not trying to recreate synthetic products. It's recognizing the value and kind of and where natural sustainable products actually excel and, and exceed the conventional products and focusing in on that type of uh, skincare and healthcare uh, products. So I it's interesting because, again, as I said earlier, the whole conventional product realm is not that old. And yet we have, a, you know, multiple generations where that's all we've really experienced. And so it takes a bit of effort to shift people away from something that they're used to. Uh, but it's not new. You know, I, I kind of look at our, our goal as a company is creating products that 
are are not new, but maybe a new twist on them, and thinking about how we can incorporate uh, scientific research and traditional uh, methods and kind of make improvements on something that was used traditionally for many, many years and very successful um, in the past. And so kind of reviving that with a modern twist. And I think there's a future in that in skincare in general, and you see it in a lot of other countries outside of America where there's this real push towards uh, going back to the, the roots of, of what skincare used to be, but with a modern twist. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to leave with us? This idea of the purpose of business. And um, I, I go to a lot of conferences where people just come back to, you know, well, what's the business case for, you know, having social responsible practices or for doing sustainability? Like, how is that going to make us more money? And I really strongly feel that that mentality does not serve businesses and doesn't serve our greater community. And that we as businesses need to take a step away from that and think about, you know, if that's how we treated every relationship that we had uh, and every interaction we have with different people that we, you wouldn't really have any friends or you wouldn't, you wouldn't get very far in life. And people realize that, you know, sometimes you have to do things because it feels like the right thing to do. And I think businesses have to operate in that same way and that there are lots of benefits that come with it. But if you start with doing the right thing and let the benefits come from you, uh, rather than focusing on what you're gonna get out of everything, then I think there's a, a greater authenticity to that, but also it, it just, it's where business needs to go. And I hope that more businesses start operating from that and, and recognizing that there is a different way to do business and, and to be successful, but that you have to actually truly want to be doing the right thing and not just looking at the financial gain from doing it. You can learn more about the WS Badger Company by visiting badgerbomb.com. Join us for the next Sustainable Business Fridays on November 3rd. We will be speaking with Nick Silver, author of Finance, Society, and Sustainability. Bard MBA in Sustainability. Lead the change. Learn more at bard.edu.